Welcome to Education, Technology, Society, a podcast about education in the digital age. Welcome to Education, Technology, Society, a podcast about education in the digital age. Hello and welcome to Education, Technology and Society. This is a podcast where we look at digital education and education futures from a much broader perspective than it's usually talked about. So we're looking at issues of society and culture and history and politics and everything else that tends to get left out in the rush towards talking about how digital education is going to transform education. My name's Neil Selwyn. I'm a professor at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, and I've been researching this area for, for far too long now. I think I started in 1995. And in some ways, this podcast is just an excuse to have a chat with people whose work I've been reading and looking at, admiring, wanting to ask questions to. So today we're looking at the topic of AI in schools, and to do this I'm talking with Katarina Sperling. Katarina's a PhD student from Linköping University in Sweden, and she's also been working as a strategist in the R&D department for the Norrköping Education Office. So she's looking at AI in education from a really interesting perspective. Katarina's just had a paper published in the European Journal of Education titled Still Waiting for the Automation of Teaching and Education, Machine Learning and Swedish Primary Education. So I was really interested in catching up with Katarina, given that she's doing empirical research on the ground in classrooms to see how AI technologies are actually being taken up. This study is a really interesting look at a personalised learning system for maths teaching that was developed by a Swedish edtech startup and a product that Katarina gives the pseudonym in the paper of the AI engine. So it's been introduced into a bunch of Swedish classrooms with the aim of refining the algorithm and road testing the software in the wild. So I was really interested to talk to Katarina about what she found to be happening in reality as teachers and students in these primary schools began to grapple with this AI maths engine. So if you get a chance, have a read of the paper before listening to the podcast. If not, there's a heap of stuff that we talk about in this podcast that should get you thinking about the hype around AI in schools and how we might go around researching AI in the classroom in the future. I hope you enjoy. I guess yeah, the first question is a genuine one. The conversation around AI and education has gone a bit crazy in many countries. And what's the conversation around AI and education in Sweden at the moment? What are people talking about? Yeah, so it's obviously a lot about ChatGPT, how that can be used in a good way, uh, particularly when it comes to assessment. That has been a, a big thing. But before, uh, there wasn't much many teachers discussing this AI and education topic. But with ChatGPT, a lot of teachers are actually very involved and some of them are very enthusiastic and they see a lot of opportunities to engage with the students uh, but also for their own time-saving activities like lesson planning and also generate exercises some of them actually assess the students work with ChatGPT really already already Uh, but there are also uh, teachers that are skeptical and there is some discussion about cognitive offloading what happens when we as teachers start to get more and more dependent on ChatGPT and if we hand all these tasks over to a system AI systems what will happen with our own expertise so it sounds like you're having quite a grown-up discussion about it I mean in other countries it's been kind of pushed by private companies and you know, so how, who's pushing this in, in Sweden? Is it the teachers themselves or teacher organisations, unions, municipalities? Mm, I think it's uh, also pushed by edtech companies. There are some edtech companies that have already kind of organised uh, professional development courses for teachers. So 
get started with ChatGPT and a lot of discussion in, in the media, just like polarizing the topic. The Swedish National Agency hasn't actually been very active up until now, leaving very much up to the teachers to decide how to use this in a proper way, which is problematic because it's a, a very difficult uh, situation for teachers to know how to also read the discourse around it. And as academics, you'd like to think teachers are going to come to academics for the answers. I mean, to what extent is that happening? And to what extent are Swedish academics actually doing, having done research? Is there an evidence base produced to, to talk back to these issues? No, it's too early to say, but no, there is not really. We, we haven't done that much research yet. But I know that there is big interest actually in, in, in applying to research these things much more. So it's it will happen it will happen. But we're not there yet. No, as ever, we're lagging behind. I mean, so yeah. I mean, chat DTP is one thing, but I mean, yeah. aside from that, I mean, what types of AI actually exist in Swedish K-12 classrooms at the moment? I mean, what are we talking about when we talk about AI in Swedish classrooms? Yeah, so we have intelligent tutoring systems that are machine learning based, although they're not that frequently used, yeah, I would yeah. say, but they do exist. And we also have some learning language apps that are used with AI. We have autocorrecting and grading systems that are being introduced. I still don't know how much they are being used, actually. Chatbots, one system that profiles itself quite a lot around AI is Lexplore, and they uh, use AI and eye tracking to assess reading abilities in, in young students. And then we also have social robots in teaching, but that's more like research on a research level. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, to what extent if I walked into a Swedish classroom, would I likely to see any of those things? Are they being taken up on a kind of grand scale or are these still kind of very much proof of concept? Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to, <laughs> to look at. But uh, I mean, if you think of Grammarly or these type of already common AI systems, uh, I mean, we have a lot of computerized schools and and work with Google Classroom. So Google is obviously a lot of AI in there. So it exists, but you don't think of it as yeah. AI in education. So it's hidden in a, in a way. Yeah, that's a really key point, actually, that AI is all around us in the tool, software tools that we use every day, but yet we get distracted by these, these shine. Uh, again, I was listening to Jonas Linderuth talk about um, chat GTP and the hype around it and the fact that actually... It's not chat GTP that we need to be worried about. It's when chat GTP and the generative AI gets put into the software, which is just everyday part of classrooms. Yeah. And then it becomes much more invasive. Actually, I think it's already there. And it's also already in a different context. I mean, children use TikTok and they use Snapchat and other social media that are a part of the ecosystem of schools the schools has to handle so it's already in schools but these kind of AI in education companies are not that present but they are increasing yeah absolutely and your paper which I was super interested in in the European Journal of Education your AI engine project so you're looking at a company and a municipality testing out and developing an AI personalized learning maths system in schools 22 teachers, 250 students. Can you set the scene, first of all, about what you were actually studying? So this study, it draws on data from a Swedish innovation and research project. So it was machine learning-based teaching aid in mathematics that we call the AI engine. And it was 
22 teachers uh, in 22 classrooms and students were at the age groups of in second uh, class, fifth class and eighth class. So the project explored how this teaching aid could automate a particular aspect of teaching. So it was arithmetics and uh, the idea was that the system could identify the student's knowledge gap and personalize the content based on what they answered. So at the outset, I was an employee uh, of one of the partners in the team, uh, the, the, the school, uh, local school authority. Uh, but then I started my PhD and I was interested to see, so how does this play out in classrooms? So that's actually what the paper is about or trying to map. So you're a poacher turned gamekeeper in a way. Um, yeah, I was an insider. <laughs> an insider. Now, lots of stuff in the paper that's worth reading. I was really interested in your focus on breakdowns, which oh, okay. is conceptually yeah. <laughs> a really interesting thing. A good place for researchers to look. And there were two <laughs> particular breakdowns in the paper I just wanted you to kind of talk through. Yeah. The first of all was making errors. Yeah. And so the system telling the students that two minus one equals three. Yeah. So, I mean, what was happening there? And what, what does this show about AI in education? So this error actually was, was something that I found out through the account of one of the teachers who told me that her students found some programming errors. So she tells me how she tried to handle this in very different ways. So she pursued them to continue to exercise and she reported back to the project team. She also actually directed her students to do other exercise in other modules that she developed. So she, she seemed quite unaware that it would actually bias the entire intervention results. And then when we looked closer into what, what, what had happened, why was there a programming error there? The teaching aide, who was actually the one that had done the error, she corrected that. But still, the AI engine continued to repeat the same incorrect answer. And so the, the accepted explanation uh, within the team was that the AI engine had kind of learned the wrong solution. And it's a kind of mundane, <laughs> if, you, if you want, example of how training data can result in algorithmic biases. Yeah, but also it's an interesting aspect of how the teacher kind of rationalized it as a programming error. Yes, and that kind of says something about how they were understood AI. Or not understood. Yeah, exactly. Because you would imagine that AI was, the AI system was much more sophisticated as someone putting in the right answer to, in particular, such a simple exercise. Yeah. But there was no ca calculation. <laughs> yeah. And also this idea of trust as well. Because I guess if it yeah. was a, a, a human teaching assistant in the classroom saying something like that, yeah. immediately a teacher would not trust that person to no. go any further. No. But somehow they were trusting the AI system to kind of get it right second time around. Yes. And, and that same goes actually for everyone else in the team. Because what happened that is that, that the teaching aid author, uh, rather than abandoning that kind of system, redid the entire module and replaced all the numbers. And that was 200 different exercises with an entire new module. So a lot of work. And the <laughs> same thing happened again. 
I, I mean, the second breakdown I thought was fascinating in the paper was that you, you refer to it as the system running out of data. Yeah. So, I mean, again, what happened here and what does it tell us about AI? Yeah, so, so that was a breakdown where, uh, in particular, the older students in year five and eight, all of a sudden they experienced that the screen just turned blank, that it froze. So after quite some investigations into this error, uh, this was explained to us that actually as if a student completes a task correctly, many times the AI engine predicts that the individual is very likely to complete the task again. So it stops delivering new numbers. So it's kind of this algorithmic governance uh, stepping inside. And I mean, a lot of teachers said that it didn't work or they were speaking about teething problem. But in fact, the the system worked well. It worked as it should work. But what happened then was that the teaching aid author created 2,000 new exercises so that the AI engine could not run out of data. So so the workarounds, it was, again, something that, that was uh, very obvious in yeah. this case. So again, an AI, a piece of AI software acting in a completely logical manner, yeah. but not logical in terms of how classrooms work. No, and not like humans want it to work. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's two things that struck me from your discussion then talking about human. I mean, the first of all is teachers doing a lot of compensatory work yeah. around the technology. Yeah, a lot of compensatory work. So it's like this false automation or fox automation so that the, the technology is functioning automatically when, in fact, it's very dependent on what the teachers do in the classroom. And, and some of the teachers actually reflected upon that, that, yeah, this works great, but it would not have worked if I wouldn't have scaffolded the lesson prior to the exercises and so on. So they were kind of conscious also that they were doing a lot of uh, workarounds. And was that seen to be a problem from their point of view? Or did they, because I can see you would take professional pride in being part of the success, but at mm. the same time, this is software that kind of claims to be able to kind of teach autonomously. So was there a bit of a, were the teachers a bit conflicted there or? Yeah, but I think they were not seeing this as AI in education. I mean, they were seeing this as a test, but when they then discussed AI in the future of learning, they were, they were just thinking that it could work. Okay, so they didn't kind of say in the future you'd need teachers doing all the scaffolding no, that we no, were doing. No, 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 no. So, and and, that, and that's one of the findings too that the, the, the promises of AI are very, very strong. Yeah, even though you're experiencing even it firsthand. Though, even though you're experiencing that, that it, it it doesn't work as you expected. That you have to do a lot of workarounds. There's still the pe people want to want it to work. They want to believe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the second thing talking about, I mean, th th I was struck in your paper how the technology was undermining some teachers' belief yeah. that they knew their students as well as the technology does. There was yeah. an idea that the machine kind of knew the students better. Yeah, it seems like many teachers feel that they just can't spend enough time with every student and that's a I mean that's a problem I think worldwide that you you have 25 students and and you just have this limited time per lesson to see to every student so uh, one of the teachers said so this this AI system can see all the students all the time well, I just have the time for some students during a lesson I can't see them all the time but in fact, she was actually, <laughs> she saw them 
very well. She knew exactly what they knew and so on. So I thought that was kind of undermining her own ability. And also, I think, in the bigger discourse, it kind of influences how teacher talks about their shortcomings. Which is all quite depressing. Um, and I guess the question anyone would ask you about your paper is, so what, what would you recommend? Where do we go from here? What can we learn from this? I mean, do you have any kind of magic answers to try? And- <laughs> no magic answers. But I think one thing that's, that's important um, is to actually understand more about how these systems work and engage and uh, be critical and ask critical questions about so what how is actually this system personalizing what do you mean by personalization and what, how does how do these algorithms actually work on what basis when does a student know something according to the system and on what basis are those numbers uh, instilled in the system so i think it's very important when ai is actually coming in either explicitly or implicitly in, in all different kind of digital systems that that's, that teachers engage in this. Uh, yeah, and are given the kind of, are supported in putting this kind of technology under pressure and scrutinising it. So, yeah. I mean, thanks ever so much for having a chat. It's been fascinating to hear about the work you're doing and the work you're going to do. I mean, good luck with it all. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.